This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. I want to welcome everybody to the show. You know, we've had a, a, a fantastic run here for 2021 as we've, you know, had some great interviews with some fantastic people. Uh, last week, we talked to Rachel Durkin. Uh, and if, if you don't, if you don't, you know, if you don't know business, go listen to that one because this woman's got a heck of a story she's been all over the place so if you guys didn't catch last week's so go check that out that was with Rachel Durkin and you can find out more on voiceamerica.com underneath the variety channel for finding a frequency and of course you can listen to this anywhere that podcasts are heard as well as the Voice America mobile application and make sure you check us out uh, I'm at Radio Ryan 1 on social media and then of course the Voice America socials medias uh, at Voice America and at Voice America TRN for talk radio network you know, we have a cool show for you guys today, kind of shifting gears just a little bit from our, you know, deep dives into, you know, marketing trends and business analysis and uh, some different components as it's related to, uh, you know, how things are operating now. And, uh, you know, we also had Kurt Roscoff on a couple of weeks ago, which was a fantastic show to hear how, uh, you know, somebody is just beating all of the odds and helping uh, people who are disabled actually go out on the water and water ski um, and, 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 you know, have that freedom of even though having a disability you know having the ability to get out there and go do some stuff so so some of the some of the last shows that we've had that have come out if you haven't had a chance to listen to those goes please and check those out today we have a great uh, program for you today we're going to hear a pretty cool story um you know we're going to we're going to hear about some leadership uh we're going to hear about uh you know how do you, making money becoming happier um you know uh, dealing with some anxiety which i know a lot of people are dealing with now with you know uh covid and in school out of school combinations of both. Uh, I know here we're getting ready to wrap up the school year uh, for 2021, uh, 2020, 2021. I'm excited about that. Uh, my kid gets a little bit of time to just go be a kid and not worry about all that other uh, uh, school stuff. So we're definitely going to be doing a lot of swimming this this year for sure. We're going to hit the pool. Uh, but our, uh, our guest, uh, Mr. Kean Leggy is a great guy. He used to play in the NFL. Um, and they had some uh, uh, some injury that happened to him, and you know could have could have probably took him in like twenty different directions, you know, kind of similar to you know somebody um, who gets injured. Uh, uh, maybe if they're in the military, they come home and they're like, "What the heck do I do with my life? I had this plan, you know, like I'm trying to go do A, B, and C, and you know sometimes life just kind of throws you a curveball." And you don't get the opportunity to go with, you know, plan A or B or even sometimes C. So, you know, I like to use the word pivot because of 2020, 2021. So, um, you know, we have a pro athlete turned pro pivoter. Uh, Key, and thanks for joining us on the show today. Yeah, Ryan. Ooh, I missed a clash. Ryan, thanks so much for having me, man. 
hey we appreciate you taking time to join us i know you know probably been super busy over the last several months especially in 2021 as things have kind of started to you know get back to a, a little i don't want to say normal because uh that's probably never going to happen but um you know get back to some sort of you know in-person components you know being actually able to go out and speak and talk to people and you know shake a couple people's hands and you know some of those kind of things my wife and i went to the farmer's market last weekend on on saturday and you know like i didn't wear a mask i just hung out you know I'd, we, we still kind of socially distanced and that kind of thing but i got to eat pulled pork sandwiches and i got to eat apple pie in a jar and just like all of these things that we've been kind of missing that um you know was perfect timing for you know springtime here in phoenix for us to be able to go and do that so i know that you probably had some cool stuff that you've been able to do in 2021 as well yeah, absolutely. My experience has been a little different. Uh, I've been out here in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil for all of 2021. So I've been uh, having fun going on some hikes, uh, eating acai. Acai is a, a berry native to Brazil. I'm sure my, my coastal people are, are more familiar with the acai. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely eating acais, <laughs> going to the beach. Yeah, you know the acai, right? So oh, eating oh, yeah. acai, going to the beach, uh, going on hikes, and uh, experiencing this beautiful culture that uh, I have never learned to speak in the language before. So Portuguese is also foreign to me. So learning how to live in this culture while building my business at the same time has been an incredible experience for me. Are you doing any Brazilian jiu-jitsu while you're out there? You know, that, that's a great question. I'm not, but there's a different sport called footbally. Okay. So it's just like volleyball, except you can't use your hands. Oh, you, so you yeah, can I've only seen, use your shoulder. Yeah, I've seen those. It's, it's incredible. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, all right, so you're going to go try that out. I, I suggest you go check out Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu also. It's the, you know, obviously Brazil, that's the home birthplace of there. There's um, some very immersive schools there that I think you should definitely go check out. For me, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a karate aficionado uh, with Okinawan karate, and so there's some, uh, some of our forms and different things that we do that are similar to some of the ground maneuvers that happen in, uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, um, of course, as soon as you said Rio de Janeiro, my brain immediately went Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but uh, if you get a chance, but yeah, the acai berry, oh man, good antioxidant, good food for you, uh, and the fact that you're able to locally source it right there um, and not be in the middle of the desert in Phoenix, Arizona, like I am, where there's no way I'm getting fresh produce. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of funny, right, because I came from Arizona, so I was living in Scottsdale, you know, right, right outside of Phoenix, so... Yep. Uh, I, I was in the desert, and then I came to the tropical jungle. How are you dealing with the humidity over there? I mean, going from, uh, you know, the summers here in Phoenix, like it was 102 yesterday, right? So I'm going, all right, it's starting to warm up. It's not bad. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a native here. I've been here my whole life, you know, 40 plus years. And, uh, you know, I'm going, oh, man, I talked to somebody in Tennessee the, uh, this morning, and, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, we're starting to get muggy. You know, it's going to be 90, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't, that's terrible. So how are you transitioning with, you know, the dry heat of Arizona versus the, you know, very muggy and wet uh, uh, area that you're in now with the rainforest? Well, you know what's interesting, man, is I hate to say this for anybody that, that may be uh, experiencing the really dry heat or the overly humid heat. But it's, it's actually perfect here. There's not a lot of humidity right now. Uh, Brazil doesn't have, as far as the area that I'm in, Rio, doesn't have a lot of the humidity. It's between, you know, 75 and, and 83 and uh, beautiful. The winter is, this is the winter here. 
winter season. So the difference is there's a little less rain in the in the summer season. There's a little more rain, and uh, the weather is actually perfect right now. So I can't I can't complain at all. Uh, so it'll be like when it's winter time here, and then I'll be asking you how hot it is. Yeah, yeah, but but honestly, it wasn't even that bad because I got here in November. November, December okay. is there. You know, they're, they're summertime, but yeah, it's it's perfect. I lived in Miami for a while too, so I did experience the both balances. Miami is the like humid of the humid. Right? Yeah, well, do you so think the, do you think dealing with all the heat here in Arizona, like had you kind of mostly prepped for that? You were like, oh, it ain't that bad here. I just came from it was like you know last summer it was like 157. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well, it did, but the transition was difficult from Miami to Arizona because my body's used to having all this humidity in my nose. My nose dried out, and like. Oh, yeah. My skin is dry, so I was not adapted to it. But uh, yeah, Brazil is a nice little balance between the two. So I found my sweet spot. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a place that I've always wanted to travel over to South America. Never had a chance, but uh, we're working with Water for Mercy right now, um, who does some stuff in South America and then also in Africa to bring solar powered uh you know, wells. So they, they drill down, uh, and then they, they get to the water table. Once they hit the water table, then a, a pump is installed. The pump is all solar powered. Um, right. And the th cool thing about it is all the native villagers and people who are using it, um, you know, uh, water for mercy provides all of the things that they need but the villagers have to get together and as a community work together to get this thing installed and do all those things and you know thus teaching them some kind of mechanical skills and different things and how to maintain and manage that water source for themselves and you know so we're hoping to get down to a couple of places uh um and in, in like central america salvador um and then also there's a couple of places in colombia we we're trying to hit and then uh some places uh in in, in africa so that'll be kind of cool i'm hoping to get that uh, project or get it, it it's happening now but i'm trying to get involved in it in a, in a manner to help document what's going on and uh so i'm hoping to get down there in 2022 incredible if you get over to colombia that would be fascinating i, I lived in medellin i don't know if medellin was one of your hot spots but colombia has a special place in my heart as well yeah, that play that one's pretty populated. We're these we're looking more of like you know kind of some of those more rural towns that don't have you know um, as access as much access to you know free flowing water and electricity and some of those kind of places um, that are kind of uh, a little bit off the beaten path. Um, I'm mean, gonna need to make sure my Spanish is on point though because uh, you know going off the beaten path in Colombia may not be the best idea for uh, you know, a gentleman like myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having a little baseline will definitely help you there for yeah. sure. Well, I speak a little bit of Spanish growing up here, so you know that that's that's always been uh, helpful. So, hey, I want to back up a little bit. You know, Key, and you've had you know a, 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 just a kind of a a. a a twist of fate, so to speak, with, you know, your life and where you are and how you ended up in Brazil. Uh, you know, tell, tell us from the beginning, I know that you were born in South Dakota uh, and, you know, tell us about, you know, kind of high school, that transition and moving into through college into the NFL. Uh, and then what was your biggest obstacle as you had to transition from, you know, each of those different spaces, number one, and then be from your uh, pro career in the NFL to pivoting over into something completely different? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a incredible, incredibly expansive question. Starting <laughs> off in high school, well, I should say before that, I'll rewind about six, seven years. Uh, I was a kid from South Dakota that had a dream to play in the NFL, and there was really no doubt in my mind that I was going to do it. I remember a couple times. My first one, I drew a picture in third grade saying that. I was going to be a professional football player. You know, we hung it up on the wall for the profession that I said I was going to do. 
And then in high school, I remember my little brother asked me, said, Kian, are you really going to go to the NFL? And I didn't remember him asking me this, but he told me the last time I went home, actually. And I, and I just looked at him and I said, yes. So I would say I am a, a living, breathing example of uh, belief system being everything and the law of attraction really being something that, that is real if the conviction is there. And so in high school, you know, I, I was good, but I wouldn't say I was uh, a, a star by any means as far as national recognition. I ended up going to a Division I AA school, uh, the University of South Dakota, my home state, and ended up starting for four years there. I was a two-year captain my last two years and got some attention with the NFL. I didn't, they didn't get drafted, but I got signed as an undrafted free agent, and I had my chance with Kansas City. I missed out, got cut, went to New Orleans, got cut, and then third preseason game into the first year, I got a call from Kansas City to get signed. So that was my opportunity. And uh, this unfortunate part of that experience was that in 24 hours, I was told that I'd never be able to play again. After I got told I was going to start in all the special teams that year, uh, due to me not passing my physical from a neck injury that I had in college. So that was it right there. Uh, for me, I definitely felt a lot of that but there was an element of uh pressure that was taken off of me from mm -hmm. that experience from a lot of the time of pressure that i put on myself to uh get my lifelong dream and to make it happen to, and, and i now don't operate in that space of pressure anymore to make my dreams a reality so we can talk about that i'm sure too as Absolutely. well later on in into the show uh but then i and i never did the whole nine to five thing uh, i never really could get myself to do it and I chose not to take that route and decided to go straight into personal training. And uh, personal training was a great outlet for me to be able to help other people and to be able to use the skills that I knew really well, which was mastering the physical side of the body. Uh, I was peaked out in South Dakota and I moved to Miami, the complete opposite culture. And that was an incredible experience. <laughs> I was a trainer there and uh, ended up specializing in internal health for myself, first and foremost, and then ended up being able to do uh, internal health stuff for other people. So I was the, the go-to guy for autoimmune conditions and digestive disorders for people mm -hmm. in the gym uh, in Miami and really did well doing that and realized I did not want to work for anybody else ever again and quit my job and went all in on this program that I established for people with autoimmune conditions. Scaled that online, got to a place where I was location independent, ended up moving to Colombia with a few friends and uh, grew my business there. And from there, I was surrounded by a lot of other entrepreneurs and business owners and people that were achieving at really high levels and found that similar to me, they were also using pressure and, uh, and force and working their faces off to achieve their goals. And I'm like, wow, I think there's an easier way to be able to get what we want without having to force our way into making it happen and to sacrifice our well-being in the process. And so I started to dive deep into myself and my own belief systems and started to work through a lot of those and thus was fired up to help other high achievers or people that I say have a harder time sitting down onto the couch than they do getting off it on being able to achieve from a place of more ease and less stress and pressure. So I've been doing that for a couple of years and since I've lived in a couple other spots and now I'm in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. That's, that's awesome. Well, that's a good story of being able to kind of have that mindset shift, right? And going from the, you know, like you said, that pressure that you had on yourself about making your lifelong your lifelong dream happen and, and get into the NFL. But, 
you know, being able to kind of pivot and make that 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 mindset shift and and not be so, uh, you know, pressure driven. I'm sure that took a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety out of what you were trying to accomplish as you started kind of pivoting over towards, um, you know, the 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 latter part of your personal training uh, stuff. Right. Oh, certainly. Certainly. And I would still say I used uh, some strong elements of pressure during that time. Uh, I would say it's probably in the last couple of years, two years or or so that that I really started to transition from that place of uh, pressure and force to more of this place of of ease and allowance to attract more wealth and and success. Yeah, and I think there's a for me anyways. I think there's a clear distinction between um, you know pressure as it relates to like uh, physical exercise, right? Like you know when I get up in the morning and I work out and I'm doing push ups and whatnot, you know I'm listening to music and I'm telling myself, yeah, let's go, come on, a couple more, you can do a couple more. You know, so I think that's that's one side of, you know, like physical fitness itself. But, you know, looking at business and, you know, the other ways, your relationships, um, how you're interacting with your fellow human beings, like that's the part that I'm talking about. Like, I'm always going to put pressure on myself on karate. Right. And just a couple more reps, a couple of more of those things, because, you know, those are just, you know, for me, that's like my gets my endorphins going in the morning. I'm ready to rock and roll for the day. Um, but then as soon as it's like work mode and I start getting on the phone, and I'm talking to people. It's not it, it, there is no pressure other than then if it's, I work on media, unless it's like, oh my God, this news story broke. We need to get a press release out or, you know, some craziness like that. Well, then there's a little bit of pressure because it's time sensitive material. But as far as looking on your, your, you know, your long-term outlook of being happy and successful and those types of things, um, how, how are you helping people shift their mindset in that space to not put, you know, the, you know, the, the, the pressure of climbing the corporate ladder, uh, you know, on their backs versus, you know, allowing a life of abundance and, and, you know, and put, like you said, like the law of attraction and putting things out there and, and being more of a calm minded individual as your approach to, uh, getting those things that you want out of life. Yeah. Well, I think the first step is being able to acknowledge where your source of motivation comes from with what you're doing. <clears throat> if I have big dreams to, run a big company and to be very successful at it, am I using it to justify my okayness or is it something that I'm extremely passionate about and thus that is pushing me to go do what I want to do, right? I think that's the difference is your success determining your okayness or how you're feeling about yourself or is it something that you're using as something that's driven by passion inside of you, right? And I think there's a lot of uh, glorification for the underdog mentality, which I think is owned for people that use uh, whatever they're doing as permission to feel okay, meaning when they're not doing well in their job or in their relationships, that they're not feeling okay inside of themselves. So for me, it's being able to take people from a place of using their you know dreams and aspirations or their family and relationships as a means to justify their okayness to being able to find okayness in and of themselves, independent of those things. And I call that emotional sovereignty, the ability to be able to maintain your own emotional state independent of what is going on or happening around you or or how other people are feeling. As a founder or business owner, you know what it's like to run your entire business from your inbox. Between the sales, recruiting, and fundraising emails, things can get messy really fast. Streak is a CRM designed to help stay on top of each part of your process and your inbox without leaving Gmail. Amazing. Let's not leave Gmail. Let's just work from right there. Streak gives you tools for email tracking, mail merges, and snippets, saves you time, and you can scale up your email efficiency. 
In just a few minutes, you can also set up pipelines right inside your inbox, start tracking your contacts and emails through each process. Streak helps you collaborate by sharing emails and pipelines with team members, whether you work in an office, out in the field, or on a remote team. Pipelines are completely customizable so you can track processes and details specific to your business. Access your pipeline on desktop or mobile app to add and share information in meetings, at job sites, or however you work on the go. Sign up for Streak today at streak.com slash frequency and get 20% off your first year of their pro plan, their most popular option. That's streak.com slash frequency for 20% off their pro plan. Streak.com slash frequency. So there was like this big MMA fight a couple of weeks ago, right? And uh, it was uh, it was for the bantamweight uh, female world champion of the world. And um, I, I can remember watching the end of that UFC fight and the woman Rose who won, who was a previous world champion, like retook her, um, her, her, her belt after trying to achieve it for three or four fights. But one of the things that she said when, when, when she got done and they were doing the post uh, uh, interview uh, she said, you know, I, I just knew that I had to do what I do and what I do best and train for me and train for and train for herself and make sure that she was in the right place that she needed to be for herself. And she knew that if I did that, then, you know, me winning this fight was it didn't even matter. Right. Because I'm living my life the way that I need to for me, by me, um, that kind of thing. And that kind of struck a chord with me thinking about that. And it was like, you know, you're really she was she is absolutely correct. And you are as well that you have to have, you know, some kind of inner peace. Right. Um, with who you are as a human being and as a person in order to really drive impact and change to the people around you. Uh, you know, I used to tell my wife all the time after she just had our, our daughter and I was like, I was like, honey, I was like, just give me the baby. I'll you know, take two hours, take a bath, I'll go hang out. And I'm like, if you don't, if you can't take care of you, you can't take care of us. Right. So go take that time and, you know, mentally decompress. You don't have to do everything. Uh, and, you know, I think it's that kind of idea of, uh, of being able to, you know, give some care to yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, in order to be able to be one and at peace, you know, like, you know, have uh, really harness your, uh, you know, like in, in, in our martial arts, we would call it our chi, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And really what you're saying is it's, it's having, it's being able to demonstrate a level of detachment, right? She said it, you said with the, with the girl with the uh, UFC fight, she was able to set, settle into, I did all that I could. And at the end of the day, what will happen will happen and I'm still okay with me. And that detachment right there is what allows for a certain level of pressure to be released from the outcome of the situation. Because if she's not using the outcome to justify her okayness as a human being or justifying her permission to feel okay about herself, then of course she's not going to embody the underdog mentality and work way too hard. And a lot of the times what people do, they overdo themselves and actually create uh, destruction inside of their businesses and their families uh, when their intent was actually to try to make it as good as possible. But because they're attached to the outcome of the situation, they tried way too hard and when sometimes you try way too hard, you end up breaking the thing that you're trying so hard to protect, which tends to be something very common in business and uh, relationships for many of these people. Yeah, that's that strikes a chord with me very much. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, my, my father was a Green Beret in the military, right? So I grew up with this very pressurized kind of structured lifestyle. Uh, and then I went into the military. And so I, I further built on that foundation um, on, on myself. And it's one of those things that after having children, um, 
you're 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 100% correct. I have this this idea of what I want my children to be and how I want them to end up and I have the greatest of intention for them, but I find myself sometimes being a little too more too uh why didn't you do this? You know better than that. Don't, you know, and and I've had to over the last couple of years really just slow down, right? And stop for just a minute and think about like, what am I doing? What am I saying? How am I approaching this, right? Rather than having a active reactive kind of scenario, you know, being active in my reaction, but having that uh, reaction happen after I've had some time to reflect, right? Um, and and I think that's really been a, a change because it's hard and I'm, I'm still working on that, right? To today, right now, every day of my life, right? I'm working on making sure that I don't overdo parenting to, right to then in 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 the in the idea of wanting to do the best job that I can over parenting and causing what you said damage right mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that that's 100% with the the relationships and in business and all that I have I totally I have to shut down for work or I will just be I'll be working nonstop well, can I say something here yeah yeah go ahead okay, let me let me say something too right it is I think like one of the biggest things cuz I can imagine you're probably really um you know uh accountable for yourself and for your life, right? You're very accountable and you probably don't ever like to embody or step into a victim mentality in any way, right? You're very proud of what you've done and what you've built and what you've accomplished as you should be. Um, But the one thing that I would say here is for you to be able to sink into just acknowledging the power of repetitive programming, right? The power of this programming that's been implemented inside of you from having you know, a dad in the military of this pressure and even you, cause you've probably heard this information that I'm saying before, mm-hmm. and you probably have done all that you can to try not to do these things that you're finding yourself doing. And that probably puts another layer of pressure on top of you to try to not do it because you know better, right? In your mind. <laughs> so I think one of the most important things for people like you, like me, uh, like people that are very accountable for themselves and for their lives is to give ourselves permission to be a victim for a second, right? <laughs> and let me expand on that. You yeah, do not have control over the treatment that your family had over you at a younger age. And it's actually silly to take accountability for that uh, because you didn't. You had no control over that. And for you just to give yourself permission here in the space for a second, just to just to be like, whoa, like I had no control over that. And wow, this programming is really strong. Right? To be able to just to sink into that and to, to feel that. It takes a little bit of pressure off yourself to then uh, to not have to be this thing that you know that you should be. Right? And now once you do that, once you give yourself the space and permission to victimize yourself, I know that might make you cringe a little bit, right? It does. To really victimize <laughs> it does, right? It's like, no, I'm not a victim. Right. But to really feel yeah, that. Yeah, because when I think of victim, really- I'm like, I'm not, I was never abused. Like, you know, nobody injured me. I'm not mentally or, or physically scarred yeah. for life or anything like that. There it is. Right. You know, you know what the funniest thing is? That's one of the most common, that, that, you sound like me, <laughs> right? That, that, that's one of the most common things amongst high achievers, right? And people that are very accountable for themselves is to never allow themselves to, to see the power of other treatment. Right? You, you take somebody who is sexually abused at the age of six and you take somebody where their, their best friend left them and moved to a different state at the age of six. And actually the kid that, that, that had his best friend leave him could be much more traumatized than the abuse victim. Right? It's all based off perception of the situation. Yeah, so in and, your and, mind, and probably, like, and probably the circumstances of every, own, every, every one person's situation and their reality, right? 
That's it. So what you're saying actually makes no sense with, oh, I wasn't abused. Oh, this didn't happen to me. Blah, 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 blah. Right. All that stuff that you're, you're trying to like that your brain's using to not have to victimize itself. Right. Because it would be unsafe for you to do that. Right. Your brain's always protected your ability to not be a victim because that would have made you unsafe. Because I'd argue you probably were never able to fully step into being emotionally dependent on somebody else. And, and it would have been unsafe for you to allow yourself to open up uh, to this emotionally dependent state. So you learned that you couldn't do that and that wasn't safe, which is why your brain's doing all that it can to try <laughs> to prevent you from feeling it, right? And, and you're not alone in that, right? It, it's, it's, it's very common in this space. So uh, it, it's silly to me though, right? To, to, to take accountability for something that we had no control over in the programming and also uh, knowing now too that it has nothing to do with the actual events that happened to you, but your perception of the events that really played the biggest role on your life, regardless of how our minds think think how bad something is or not. Yeah, uh, and, and and I think to speak yeah. on that too, and you know, you're right because you know I, I only have my perception of of things that happened when I was a kid, and that's not like my parents beat me or anything like that. My dad was a my dad was a Green Beret. He was just very regimented, very strict. You know, he went from. Uh, my, my dad's talking voice was like this all the time, <laughs> right? Uh, well, well, right, right, which right. I have that, a tendency to do too. That kind of pressure, <laughs> right? Like that kind of pressure, though, man. Like I can't imagine receiving that kind of pressure, right? In, in that way, right? Throughout your whole youth, right? And that's the thing that I'm trying really hard to not do that my dad did, and that I also find myself doing at times. Right and going. Do you want to know how you don't do it? Because you want to know how you I, don't. I know how that avoid? made me feel as a kid, so I don't want my my kid to feel like that. You know. You want to know how you actually don't do that? How you actually don't keep the pattern going with your kids? Enlighten me. I'd love to. <laughs> Here it is: giving yourself permission to feel those things that you haven't maybe otherwise allowed yourself to feel and experience because of the pressure of having to have things figured out, which is what? What are some of those feelings that come with that pressure? What does that feel like? Uh, it causes anxiety sometimes. Yeah, right? I've, for sure, right? It causes I, yeah. anxiety. Yeah, I've, it's never, it's never it, for me, I may have for other people, it's never amounted into like any kind of depression or anything like that. Uh, you know, for me, it's just like- You're way too headstrong for that to happen, right? <laughs> no, pro probably not, but- <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of pressure. But the the other thing that too that, that puts pressure on me in that in that regard too is you know also which is what some of that's what drives me to okay um, you know let's let's you know karate class where I can I can actually step away right from from all that stuff I can focus on something that's for me um, right and so that's another thing that like I battle with all the time too is you know like oh man, I just got this extra work to do and it's not going to be a big deal if I just miss one class, you know, or, or, or something like that. And, and so I think it's the limiting belief from, you know, uh, stem to stern, so, so to speak, right. That it's probably encountering for like all of that in, in, in that space for me. Um, and it's something I work on all the time, you know, and, and I don't think that there's one, you know, uh, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna find resolve in this particular area of your life in like three days. 
you know, it, it's, it's something that, you know, takes a little bit of learning and, you know, being able to dig deep, which I'm, I'm working on. I'm still working on it, Kian. I'm trying. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you are. Those I know transformations you are, don't happen every like overnight, right? Like, how often do you see high achievers who are dealing with certain things, you know, have an epiphany or an aha moment, and then you know they're, um, you know, they're able to make that pivot or that change mentally in you know a short amount of time? Well, when they work with me, pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like just, like just, just being real, man. I, I've, I've got this stuff down to a science. Right. And I know exactly where to go and what's a point at and pick at to be able to free it. Right. And it's, it's interesting what you mentioned with the karate stuff and doing that for you. I think that's incredible. I think it's absolutely amazing. Uh, but the interesting part for, for many people is that the way I describe it, it's like a bucket of water and there's a hose going into the bucket. And when you're, dumping the bucket you dump the bucket a little bit and some of the water comes out that's when you're going doing karate and doing some of these things for yourself that's incredible right so you're dumping this bucket that was full of the stress and anxiousness right from the hose of the of the water coming in and then the tough part is is that you'll dump it out and then you'll feel good for a while until the hose fills the bucket back up and you got to go do it again you dump it out a little bit right and then the hose fills it back up and you go do it again that's the place most people are living in Right? They're going to blow off steam. They're, get, they're getting rid of some of that. But then because the source is still there, the source of the water, and they're not turning off the handle to shut the hose off, it's always refilling back up. Right? And, and for, for most people, the first step is being able to sink into this, this uh, almost like this like uh, victim-based, it's going to feel really vulnerable energy of, whoa, the way that I am is not my fault. I know it sort of goes against a lot of uh, very overly disciplined, making things happen teachings. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say this, I'm not talking to people that have a hard time getting off the couch, right? I have other information for them, okay? But for people that have established this habit of pressure and making things happen and always putting pressure on themselves to make the best out of every situation, right? To be the best father, to be the best husband, to be the best person in the job to have the best business, right? One of the most powerful things that, that we can start with is the permission to give ourselves to say, Hey, it's, it's, it wasn't my fault for me to be the way that I am. Right. And now once that energy is really embodied, then from there you have the capacity to move on from that and then take ownership from everything outside of that. But until this level of accountability is taken off, and, and this this uh, permission to allow yourself to feel like a victim and to be a victim happens, you actually are incapable of taking accountability because your programming is running you, right? And until you give yourself permission to say, holy shit, my programming is running me and it's actually not my fault for the way that I am, it's not, we can then begin to move on and then you can begin to then take accountability. But until that happens, it, it's you're, you're just running through life with this hose going into the water and then trying to dump it out, dump it out, dump it out, dump it out, right? And that's the thing that I do so well at is get to the core and the root of, of where this comes from, right? And the ability to be able to step into that victimhood. So let's say you make that distinction emotionally and mentally that your the way you are is not your fault and you say, yes, it's okay for me to be a victim. At what point do you then again take accountability for, uh, you know, rebuilding 
right? I guess per se, you you know, it's just like boot camp, right? They break you down and build you up, right? So it's very similar. Like I was vulnerable enough, right? And 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 would accept, you know, some new ideas and new methodologies of doing things. Um, so how, at what point do you go and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I get, I think I understand that I'm not, I'm, I'm not responsible for who I am. Uh, there were some extenuating circumstances, some, whatever the case may be with, you know, the, the childhood programming. And I think I understand that, but I still want to make sure that I'm an accountable husband, father, um, on, and, and I'm, and I'm making steps to, you know, kind of put that part of me behind me and start to rebuild myself and, and come away with who I truly am and not what my childhood programming caused me to be. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an incredible question. And I, I'd like to touch on what it feels like, right? What it actually feels like to no longer be controlled by you know, that program. Now, obviously, there's always elements of that programming that we're looking to undo and rewire and doesn't show up until certain things happen in our life to present uh, the state of our programming, right? But the beauty of giving yourself permission in that space to, to be a victim and to, to feel what that feels like is that once that happens, a little bit of that pressure is taken off and you're now able to see with more clear eyes, right? Before it was like, I say that picking up pennies compared to quarters. It's like when you're operating under this place of pressure, you're having to do way more than you actually have to do because your sense of okayness is based off the outcome of those things. So you're picking up pennies. Like, oh, there's a penny. Oh, there's a penny. Oh, there's a penny. There's a penny. There's a penny. There's a penny. Bah, 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 bah. Picking up all the pennies. Instead of being able to, whoa, I'm going to sit back in my, in my high horse as the king and be like, whoa, there's a quarter. Let me pick that up. There it is. Hmm. Ooh, there's another quarter. Ooh, let me pick that up. There it is. Right, so you clear, you're, you're clearing the junk out of the way of all the extra stuff that's not actually contributing to success in your business and your and your relationships, and you can start to see with more clear eyes, right? So what happens is you stop taking action on all of these little things that aren't actually contributing to success in your life, and you start doubling down on the things that actually are because your sense of okayness is no longer. Uh, at question based off the outcome of those things, mm. right? And so it can feel vulnerable though because for anybody that's used pressure and the underdog mentality their whole life, they go, well, how am I supposed to be motivated, <laughs> right? If I don't have this pressure, if I don't have this, this, this oh, I'm the underdog, I have to go make things happen, energy, then how am I supposed to be motivated, right? And that's a very legitimate concern. It's very legitimate in the fact that you've never known anything else, so your mind's like, well, what the heck else is there if I'm not using pressure, <laughs> right? So I understand that, mm -hmm. but until you experience the other thing, right, you, you don't really know, right? And so on the other side of, of, of being able to let go of some of this, this pressure, uh, it creates a space for inspiration and inspired action to emerge, right? And that's why I would say the difference between frantic, manic action, picking up all the pennies, and inspired action that comes from this inner place of knowing, right? Yeah. Quarter, boom, there it is. Bop, quarter, boom, there it is. Yeah, that concept is also uh, really similar to a concept that I spoke to Chris Boyce about. Um, the name of that show was Mindset Matters, right? And one of the big things that she pushes um, as far as business stuff was, you know, I, I have this, <laughs> this to-do list, right? This, this uh, 
you know, my clipboard of to-do list for the week of, uh, you know, 5-17-2021, right? And so I look at the to-do list, but none of that, none of this stuff is on my calendar, right? And so that was one of the things that she was talking about, right? Is like, you know, reviewing all of those things that you have on your to-do list and having purposeful action towards each of those items on a weekly basis and actually saying, hey, all right, well, I think that's probably going to take me an hour. Well, there's a, let me, let me block time rather than, you know, coming into it and being like, okay, I have these things to do. I'm going to check emails and hopefully I'll go look at these projects that I'm supposed to be working on that are part of my to-do list. Right. Right. That's that whole like frantic picking up pennies things versus being able to go, wait a minute, let's come from a place of purposeful mindfulness. Right. And say, Hey, let's, uh, uh, these, these work actions and tasks that we need to do, let's schedule time for those. So then that way, the rest of the time, right, you are kicking back and allowing those fruits of the labor to come back to you as you know like you said sitting in sitting on your high horses the king because you've you know you've put the energy out there in a manner that was more constructive um and and you know your reward in return is going to be better right definitely 100 percent. and the interesting part is that if regardless if you're a king or not if you've always lived your life as being a peasant that that works their face off to the ground and grinds super, super hard all the time, you don't really know what it feels like to be a king. And so it takes a certain level of direction in being able to step into that fully. And there can be vulnerability and tension found in stepping into being the king and not picking up pennies and not doing all the little things on the to-do list that actually don't really even matter, that aren't contributing to the success of the business. Uh, I would say 20% of everything that we do in in our business, depending on how, how efficient you are, really contributes to the mass majority of our success. The rest is just kind of fluff or extra stuff that we're doing because we feel like we have to, right? And so getting into this place of, you know, what I call alignment, which is a very popular term now, or being able to separate ourselves from the outcome of certain situations, it allows us to tap into the 20% instead of operating this frantic place of doing all this extra stuff that we create as extraness that we feel like we should do, but really actually doesn't contribute to the bottom line. That's 100% true. There is a lot of businesses and a lot of companies uh, that I look at from an external point of view based on you know my work experience as an, op- an operator. And wow, I'm like, why do you guys do all that stuff? What are you doing? It's like, I was like, man, what? I got, what's, are you, gonna, you know you can automate that? What are you? <laughs> Ryan, you're supposed to. We're, we're supposed to do that. That's what all everybody else, we're supposed to do that. Right? We're supposed to do these things. Hey, that's one of those things when I have team meetings, right? If I ever hear somebody say, but that's the way we've always done it. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should take a couple of days off and rethink that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I mean, especially right now with technology moving the way that it is, right? I mean, you have the pandemic, which I think accelerated the inevitable technology buildups that have happened through the last couple of years, which were going to happen anyways. Um, but these were just accelerated. And so now I feel like you have a almost a 10x acceleration of uh, technology based on person-to-person communication and automation, artificial intelligence, blockchain, you know, cryptocurrencies out there going crazy. People don't know what to do with that. They're not sure about that 
banks don't know what to do. Investors don't know what to do. The stock market's all over the place. And, you know, right. So, oh, yeah. And so it's just like there's so many different things that are out there evolving in the world um, as far as technology concerns. What kind of things are, are, are you teaching with your with your clients on, you know, leveraging technology to help them kind of weed out those minutiae components of their business and really focus on their core competencies that drive revenue? Yeah, well, I think the the bottom line is being able to deal with the reason why distributing responsibility is so difficult for them in the first place, right? So obviously there are incredible systems in place and and modalities to be able to automate and make things more efficient. Uh, But before that even happens, you got to get to the core of why you're having such a difficult time being able to distribute responsibility (laughs) in the first place. And that's what I do. I go in and, and we find exactly what it is that that's causing their inability to be able to distribute responsibility and to trust uh, in other people to be able to do the job well and to get it done and in the way that they would like it to. And then from there, it's pretty easy, right? Then the systems are saying, okay, here it is. It just falls into place. And honestly, most of the time, most of the people that I work with have been exposed in some way or another to, you know, assistance or if more efficient systems or the ability to delegate responsibility. Uh, so, I really, a lot of times, there's some things that I have and that I know that I, that I share with my clients, but a lot of them, they already have it all in front of them. They just have a terribly difficult time being able to say yes to it, right? And so, you know, with me is I go and I, and I find, you know, what's causing the inability to trust and distribute responsibility. And from there, the rest sort of falls into place. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good point. Uh, I've, I've dealt with that myself where there's some things I feel like they're really important to me. I'd I, I want to take care of them myself. And sometimes I'm, you know, able to delegate things, but I usually run into one of two problems. Number one, either I'm, I'm unwilling to delegate it because I can't let it go. Right. Or number two, the person I'm trying to delegate it to tells me that they're, they're already too busy and they can't take on any more work. Well, at, at that point, what I do is is I look at, okay, how important is this thing to the bottom line and success of my business? And what I've done, which is I think incredible, is just made my business incredibly simple. And I think behind a lot of very successful businesses is this ability to be able to simplify the shit out of the company. And uh, for me, you know, I'm a huge fan of going deeper. I think a lot of people, when they start to have success in business, they start going wider and saying, okay, well, how can we expand? How can we expand? How can we start doing more? And let me give an example. Like I, I'm the one-on-one guy. I do one-on-one. That is what I do. I don't do courses. I don't do group. I do one-on-one. And that is my lane. And that's right where I stay. And so what a lot of people do is, you know, in my example, I start making a lot of money. I'll start going, oh, well, how can I start going wider? Well, let me, let me start a podcast. Okay, well, let me create a course. Uh, let me start to create all these partnerships with other people. Let me start going bop, 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 bop. Right? They, they, they let all this energy out, whereas instead of going out with it, sit in the tension of keeping it, right? sit in the tension of having that success and staying in-house. Say, okay, well, how can, I, how can I make what I have going on right now more efficient? How can I add to and double down on what I'm already doing? Yeah. Right? On my bread and butter, how can I stay here? Right? Instead of going, boom, out here. Right. Yeah, all this stuff is fancy and it's nice and everybody says it's super good and great to do. But how can I double down on my bread and butter? And how can I make that more efficient? Right. And that's really what, what I like to teach is after it's the, the reasoning for not being uh, of, of not being able to delegate responsibility in the first place is dealt with. 
Then saying, okay, how can we just go deeper with where you're at, right? We don't want to take on all this other extra stuff. We don't need to, right? And regardless of what anybody else says, we don't need to. Let's do the thing that keeps making you a lot of money. Let's make that as simple and easy as possible. This is the thing that we use to get us to where we are. I love that idea. I, I think far too often companies do that and they go too broad and they don't. I, I've experienced it before as uh, you know, working at a company and not being in the de- in, in decision making processes and some of those and been responsible for that outward growth. And then in my head, literally going, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Why would we not, you know, do where our core competency is like why, why did you know xyz leadership position decide that they wanted to go go you know we make widgets now we're going to go build electric cars you know like complete polar opposite types of things and i know the <laughs> widgets is an old school 90s phrase i like to use from the dot-com era because <laughs> everybody sold widgets <laughs> uh, yeah no that, seriously i mean like if you make widgets make widgets make cooler widgets better widgets bigger widgets smaller widgets widgets for all kinds of different things that you get feedback from your customers on like what they need uh, you know versus you know thinking that you need to try to expand your business into an industry that you're really not really expanding your business into a, what your business is you're expanding your business into a multi-pronged that has one s- foot in one industry and one foot in another industry right and then that that that's really tough to do and i've watched it happen with companies before um that you know the the widening of the other one actually killed off the bread and butter a hundred percent but but you know that's the tension right that's the tension of of having more money that's where if having more money the the the, the root um lack of stability in the relationship with money is not dealt with then you're gonna go wider. That's the power of being able to heal our relationship with money and not having to ejaculate the extra energy out right away, but being able to sit in the tension of having it and keeping it and getting to know this new level, this new energetic level. Like, whoa, what does this feel like to have this money in my life right now? Whoa, what's it feel like to have this next level of success right now? Yeah. Right? And that's what not a lot of people like to do. Not a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs like to do that, right? Because they've worked so hard to get where they are. And it's like, finally I have some extra money and capital. Let me go out with it. Let me expand, let me scale, 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 scale. Right? That's all anybody talks about. Scale, scale, scale. No, no, how about you sit in the tension of, of having this excess and sitting in the appreciation of having this excess and getting to know this frequency, this energetic frequency of this new place financially and success in your business and sit in the tension of not doing anything, right? but doubling down on what you're already doing really well at and then once that pressure builds up of holding it in, because there's only so long you can hold all the energy in, something new will come. But everybody so quickly wants to scale, 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 that the foundation that they have going from one level to another is super shaky, right? And so that's what doesn't allow the long-term success to happen. But there's this idea that everybody has to go this exponential success super quick, as fast as possible right now. And there's no longevity in that, right? 100%. But there's a certain level of vulnerability in not scaling to the moon right away. Right? There's a certain level of vulnerability in that. Right? But then again, I would say if you actually trust in your ability to be able to create incredible results or products or transformation for people, what are you rushing for? If you know what you're going to be, why do you have to rush it? And that's where life is found. It's like, wow, let me, let me actually slow it down. Let me appreciate where I'm at and then be in the space of appreciation, not have to go boom here right away 
And here, here's what normally happens. The quarter comes along. The beautiful quarter comes along. It says, oh, shoot. There is the addition that I'm looking for, right? Sitting in the tension of not seeking it out, but allowing it to come to you. And then the next level is able to be healthfully gone to, right? So this foundation here is good. Boom, we're here. Foundation here is good. Boom, now we're here, right? But everybody's caught up in this idea that you have to scale to the moon super quick. Yeah, no, and I think it's it's uh, very, very sound what you're saying about, you know, having a foundation before you grow, right? Uh, and, 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 you know, building roots and, and being able to live in that space. I, no, I totally love it. I really appreciate you being on. We're about out of time here. Uh, Key and Loggy, thank you so much, man. You've been a great guest. Um, tell people about uh, how to feel full of energy and gain mental clarity. Well, I know that's uh, uh, some, some book that you've created, correct? Yeah, yep. There, there's a, a, a Nestle book that I have for sure. Nice. Where do people get that? Uh, uh, they can reach out to me directly. Okay. And uh, and I'm sure you'll you'll put the spelling of, of the name in the show notes. But on L A G E. There it is. Yep. So they can reach out to me via email or Instagram or my website. Those three places. Uh, or all space that you can you can reach out to me on. And and, and what's your email for everybody? Just get, let's go, give it out there. Yeah, I'll put it out there. Kean at keanloggy.com. Spelling will be crucial. <laughs> K-E-Y-E-N-L-A-G-E.com. There it is. Yeah, yep. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Finding a Frequency. We appreciate you guys being on. Woo, what a great show today. Some knowledge bombs and some golden nuggets from our friend Kian, man. We appreciate you being on. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on, I think, maybe later on in the year. Get caught up with how things are going over in Rio and how, uh, you know, you've been able to uh, uh, scale and grow and uh, go deeper, not wider, and all that fun stuff with your business later on in 2021. I want to hear kind of a follow-up on, on what you got going there. And I'm going to put uh, some of those practices that you talked to me about into play, and we'll, we'll see how we can uh, uh, allow the victimhood uh, to come through and, and rebuild back into a more uh, a centered being, right? I mean, I appreciate that feedback. You've been a great guest. Uh, you guys can also go check him out all over uh, Twitter and uh, excuse me, Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, the Instagram. Go check them out over there. Um, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning into the radio show program today. Finding your frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We'll see you guys on the next episode next week. Have a great one. Thanks, Ryan. As a founder or business owner, you know what it's like to run your entire business from your inbox. Between the sales, recruiting, and fundraising emails, things can get messy really fast. Streak is a CRM designed to help stay on top of each part of your process and your inbox without leaving Gmail. Amazing. Let's not leave Gmail. Let's just work from right there. Streak gives you tools for email tracking, mail merges, and snippets, saves you time, and you can scale up your email efficiency. In just a few minutes, you can also set up pipelines right inside your inbox, start tracking your contacts and emails through each process. Streak helps you collaborate by sharing emails and pipelines with team members, whether you work in an office, out in the field, or on a remote team. Pipelines are completely customizable so you can track processes and details specific to your business. 
Access your pipeline on desktop or mobile app to add and share information in meetings, at job sites, or however you work on the go. Sign up for Streak today at streak.com slash frequency and get 20% off your first year of their pro plan, their most popular option. That's streak.com slash frequency for 20% off their pro plan. Streak.com slash frequency.